Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we begin a new series, studying the book of Psalms. The Psalms are more than simple poetry. They are the wisdom of God in the form of memorable, metered, musical songs. The influence of music and song has been drastically underrated, but most especially when it comes to God's word and truth. Today we're going to start at the beginning with Psalm 1, and we will see the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, and the direction of their hearts that makes all the difference. Thanks for listening. This past week, I sat down with uh, my kids, and uh, we found a Netflix show. I think it's called Our Planet. It's one of these nature shows. You guys know the kind the the BBC makes with all the animals that are trying to kill each other and eat each other right out in the woods. Um, This uh, one in particular had a scene where there were some wildebeests, and uh, very uh, cinematography, uh, cinematically, what's the word I'm looking for here? They well depicted was the word I was trying to, to, to come up with there. Uh, it was very well depicted that the camera here uh, changes the scene off of these wildebeests who are just grazing uh, to see these, these wild dogs that are hunting and the music and the drums start to beat. And you, you know, all, we all know what's coming, right? And then the scene uh, shifted to these adolescent um, wildebeest, the, these young wildebeest. And the narrator uh, mentions how that the wild dog's favorite snack is a young wildebeest. And I, I, was, I was watching this, and you could see in the eyes of this young wildebeest, as the herd was there, it was looking off into the, the curiosity of the forest, looking to kind of get outside of the herd um, I, I can imagine uh, intrigued by where those wild dogs are smoking cigarettes over there or something. Just thinking, mm, I wonder what that's like. And then in the next moment, you've got the mother wildebeest come and she kind of gives the little one a nudge like this. Get back into the herd. And um, I was, uh, Sadie, my daughter, she asked me what was going on. I said, do you see how the mother there is uh, protecting the babies and trying to keep the little ones there in the herd so that they are protected? And they're not chasing off after their own curiosities where they don't belong. And Sadie processing this just blurts straight out, mommies are great. Felt like that's perhaps the understatement of the year, but very true. I said, go tell your mom that. Go, go tell her. Um, if, if, you, if you take that picture there of my four-year-old just knowing and seeing this depiction of how mothers are protecting their young, coming to the conclusion that mommies are great. Um, I took her the next day out after school to McDonald's, um, and so she was getting a little Happy Meal treat, and as soon as we sat down, Lo and behold, right next to us came seated what can only be described as a teenage gang in Iron Mountain. Um, I mean, these teenagers waltzed in after school, and it was 39 degrees outside, and they're wearing flip-flops and shorts. And, and these hoodlums, they all sat down right next to Sadie and I. Um, and without uh, pausing, inhaling their food, but... Um, in their immaturity, really speaking loud enough that everyone in the restaurant could hear them. And um, using an immense amount of profanity that I found I'm definitely old because I was tempted 30 or 40 times 
to waltz over there and say, excuse me, do you see my four-year-old sitting right here? Do you think you could tone it down? Uh, I didn't do that. Didn't do that. I think probably thankfully. Um, But here as they're conversing, these teenagers, I'm I'm listening because everyone's listening. And the predominant conversation that they're having is about how they're mocking the police by driving and speeding through uh, zones they shouldn't be. Um, sex was a large topic of their discussion. And then drugs on how their uncle or somebody was showing them how to shoot up with heroin. That, that was the conversation that these kids had. And do you know what? Lo and behold, there wasn't a single mommy anywhere. Not a single mother was there. These kids having been formed somehow by our world and by the culture that the topics of conversation, cursing like a sailor and using a a very kind of um, uh, vulgarity and inappropriateness in their speech um, was shocking to me. I I literally went home depressed (laughs) having to talk to my wife about this. I, I was reading and studying as we're starting this series on the book of Psalms. Uh, Andrew Fletcher writes this in the year 1704. He says, let me write the songs of a nation and I care not who writes its laws. The book of Psalms is a hymn book. It was written for worship, for singing and prepared with instrumentation so that the people of God would worship through song. Andrew Fletcher here, being a politician himself, recognizes that the laws of the land really have very little influence on people. But you know what does? It's the music that they listen to. It just so happened that Sadie and I were finishing our meal in McDonald's the same time these hoodlums were, and we, we both left at the same time. And they, got, they, they all somehow packed themselves into this um, four-door pickup truck with huge oversized tires and had music kind of thumping and blaring again so everybody can hear it. And I um, saw them coming. I thought, rather than have them tail me, I'm going to just let them go ahead. And you guys know how patient I am on the road, right? <laughs> and so these teenagers uh, peel out of McDonald's. Uh, if you've been down uh, Stevenson Avenue, though, this week, does anyone know what's happening right now? Oh, it was so satisfying. That's right. <laughs> They peel out of McDonald's only to slam on the brakes because construction is going on the whole time. I thought, I'm, I'm a little out of touch. I'm definitely beyond this generation. I wonder what the kids today are listening to. <clears throat> I spent two, hour this, two hours this week looking up on Google the most popular songs of 2019. I wasted two hours of my week. Uh, I wish I could Clorox my brain after this, but I read... <laughs> The lyrics to every one of these songs, 13 out of the 16 of these songs, not indiscriminately, but purposefully dwelling upon the celebration and obsessing of sex in our world today. Six, uh, 13 out of the 16 of these. I, I care not who writes the laws. Just let me write the songs of a nation because that will influence exactly where the direction of our nation goes. I, I, I really thought to myself, is this... Has this always been the case? Has has music always had this impact? Because the psalms, remember, are songs. Nobody's singing psalms, though. I wonder what they are singing. And so I looked back, and I decided to look up some lyrics. So I'm going to give you some lyrics right now, and um, I'm going to see if maybe you can tell me what, what the song is. So here's the first one. It says, Oh, please say to me, you'll let me be your man. And please say to me, you'll let me... Hold your hand. Now let me hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. 
And when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love, I can't hide, I can't hide, I can't hide. That's right, very good. The Beatles, I want to hold your hand. So top of the charts. Now, that's some ways back. So I thought, let's see if this trend progresses in this same theme with songs. Let me see if you can recognize this one. If you want my future, forget my past. If you want to get with me, better make it fast. Now, don't go wasting my precious time. Get your act together. We could be just fine. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna really, really, really wanna zig a zig ha. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody heard it. Yeah, so this would be the Spice Girls, 1996. Top of the charts. I thought, let's go a decade further. <clears throat> you can find me in the club bottle full of bub. Look, mommy, I got the X. If you into taking drugs, I'm into having sex. I ain't into making love. So come give me, and I can't put the rest up here because we're in church. Anyone brave enough to say what this is? Hopefully not. <laughs> Olivia, I don't, I don't want to give you a shot. This is... This is Fitty Scent in the club, uh, 2003. So then I thought, what about, do you see a progression here? Yeah. Uh, um, 2019, what's the music, the lyrics that they have? Can't even, can't even put up here. Uh, this song is by Bruno Mars and Car, uh, Carly B. It's called Please Me. And um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely cannot, in church, read to you what uh, is the lyrics of this song are. Um, Emily was telling me last week there was a song her kindergartners were singing. Um, it went like this, Kiki, Do You Love Me? Uh, this is a Drake song from 2018, and all of her kindergartners were singing it, singing it, singing it. She didn't know what it was. She had no clue what this song was. She thought it was from like a, like a kid's show, like, like Builder Bob or something like that, because Kiki sounded like a little toy name or something. Um, it wasn't until one particular lyric she heard, she thought, hmm, that doesn't sound right. And she looked it up. She said she watched the music video for all of five seconds and then had to turn it off. And here's just a smattering of what the lyrics of that song look like. Here's the thing. Think about this. Do the kindergartners know what they're singing? They don't know what they're singing. Andrew Fletcher is right. Let me write the songs of a nation and I care not. Who writes its laws? Folks, we, we really have to pay attention to this. The book of Psalms is written as a songbook. I don't know of anyone singing. But I'll tell you this. Kids today are listening to so much. And without even recognizing it, they're being led in a path of destruction. I hope you heard our, our reading this morning out of Deuteronomy. Two ways I set before you today, life and death. Choose to follow the Lord because there you will find life. It, it, it for me was all too unsettling to see this past week. The dangers that our kids are facing for they are walking unbeknownst into the mouth of the wild dogs. You, you, you might think of that wildebeest picture again, just looking off with curiosity to what's there. 
But let me tell you this. Any of you who've watched these nature shows, you understand how far behind the pack do you need to get before you get eaten? A mile? Two miles? Just a step. That's all it takes is just a step and you will be devoured. So we're going to start this series here looking into the book of Psalms. Um, I, I've been told not to give you the page number. It's in the middle of your Bible. So if you take your Bibles and you open up to, with me to Psalm uh, chapter 1, we're going to spend the next few weeks just uncovering what God has to say. And the goal is that you and I would see that there is a kind of song that we need to pay attention to that God has given us and given to the church. I've entitled this message, The Right Way. Much like that, Wildebeest Mother was protecting and leading her uh, adolescent Wildebeest there on the right path. I believe this is the same thing that we're going to find from Psalms. So a very apt and appropriate Mother's Day message. Psalm chapter 1. I'll read through it. We'll make a few observations and then conclude our time together. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, six short verses. Um, You would, if you were paying attention to some structure here, you'll see that each verse kind of flip-flops between two different groups of people. Um, That's it. I I want you to know. Only two groups here. The righteous and the wicked. Did did you see a gray area in the middle? Anybody catch that? Wasn't there. There's no gray area. You're either the righteous or the wicked. And each of these verses will flip-flop between the two giving... Um, some conclusions and some observations concerning them. So to begin with, the first thing I want you to recognize is that there is a progression to rebellion. There is a progression to rebellion. In verse 1, I want you to notice the verbs that are going on there. Look with me again in verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not, what's our first verb? Walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or... Sit in the seat of mockers. Uh, The psalmist here is showing this progression as one who sees from a distance kind of the the rabble crowd, those who really don't belong. And what's he do? Curiosity maybe has him intrigued, and so he starts walking after them. But after a little time of walking, what happens next? Soon he's what? He's actually standing among them. And then after just a little more time, what happens? Now he's sitting with them. Uh, There is this progression that happens with sin. I found this similarly referenced in the book of James, chapter 1. James writes this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. 
That escalated quickly, didn't it? Went from desire to sin to death. There is a progression towards rebellion. And there is with temptation. Which means, moms, you you need to be careful how much influence you allow your children to have in places where they probably don't belong. Again, it won't take a mile behind to get eaten by the wild dogs. Just a step behind. We need to be careful and recognize that within the human heart, there is an inclination towards progressing in sin, especially with temptation. I want anybody here, have have you ever just eaten one potato chip? (laughs) Just one. Come on, they they make commercials on there, right? Once you pop, you can't. That's right. Nobody can eat just one greasy potato chip. Imagine the temptation that that must be like to find a group of people welcoming and mom's not saying no to you and you're kind of getting away with stuff and it kind of feels a little good. Did you have enough, do you think? Most children, do you think, that was enough for me. I tried it, I'm good. Nobody has just one potato chip. There's a progression to sin. We need to be aware of this. We need to be very cautious with this. The psalmist will have you and I to know again this morning that if you want to be blessed, and this word blessed is one that means fulfilled and happy, full of joy. If that's the life that you want, you need to be careful to see that progression and inclination of the human heart to go further away from God, progressively further. The second thing I want you to see in this text is that devotion to God's word is a question of desire. Devotion to God's word is a question of desire. The psalmist writes in verse 2, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. The word law of the Lord here is used in an um, elastic sense, meaning God's word is what it's standing for. So here, rightly interpreted, this would be the individual who is meditating, when did it say in verse 2? Day and night on God's word. Why? Well, because the pastor said I had to. That's why. Because Ma said I had to. What's the, make sure you catch this. If you miss this part, you're going to miss my entire message and the entire point of what we need to know. It is not a sense of obligation that has people spending time in God's Word. What is it? It is a delight. Which means study and attention to reading God's Word. It's not a product of what we're obligated to do. It's actually sourced in desire. Now, you, you, and, you and I, we do this naturally all the time with other things. In fact, when my son is playing the Xbox and I say, uh, time, time to turn the TV off, what do you suppose he says? You, you, you've been in my house. You've you heard it now. Just, just five more. Yeah, just, just let me, just a little bit more. I just want a little bit more. Why? Because, because I told him, all right, now's your time to sit down and you have to play Xbox before you do your homework. <laughs> Go play more Xbox. It's not a sense of obligation that he's doing it. He has this delight in doing it. He has this desire to do it. That's why he wants to do it. We have the same thing. How many of you guys were out there, or even ladies, out there fishing, and the sun's going down, and what are you wanting to do? Just one more cast. Just let me go. One more cast. sun's getting pretty low. You you don't even have lights on this boat now. Just two more. Two more. The big one's out there. What's keeping you out there? delight. It's desire. That's why you want to be there. Or how about vacation, right? It comes very, very quick in the year. Make good use of your summers in the UP, right? What do we all wish by the time that um, day's coming to an end, Saturday's here, we got to pack up. 
Who, who's saying, boy, am I glad we're done with vacation? I can't wait to get back to work. Just, just five more minutes, just a little bit more. Or if I'm honest, when I'm eating ice cream and I get to the very bottom, oh, just a little. Right? There, there are many things in your life that you should be able to identify. You pursue, not because of obligation, but you pursue because it's your desire. This is where we're going to really focus in on how do you and I become the kind of people that find the path to life and find it because of the right source. For the psalmist says, not following after the progression of sin, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on it. Meditate, there is this idea of, I just, I'm ruminating on it. I'm marinating it. I'm letting it flow through my mind all day long. In the morning when I wake up, first thing before I go to bed at night, all day long, I'm just meditating on God's truth for me. Now, if we were honest this morning and maybe did like a March Madness um, tournament style of all the things that you love in life. Help me out here. What are some of the things you just love in life? Family? What else? Children, gardening, cheeseburgers, Bob's. Is that what you said? I'm not sure. Think of all the things that you love, right? Grandbabies. Grandbabies. What, what, if we put, what if we put everything head to head and we put Jesus in the bracket? Where would he come out on the end for you? I, I, again, if we're just honest with this, I think everybody in here says, you know, I love Jesus, but the Bible's so confusing. I, I just don't understand it, right? Any, any amens? Anybody kind of there this morning? I, I do love Jesus, but you know what? It's just a little bit difficult for me to work his way through his word. I want you to know that if you had, uh, you might think back to when you were just, um, I think Bambi says Twitter-pated, right? This idea of just infatuation with somebody in high school, remember that? I don't think the excuse would ever be there, well, it's just too hard to get to know them. You would desire their company. And this is the reality behind how we need to understand God's word. God's word is more than just a book. There is a living word. And what is his name? His name is Jesus. And this is who we are pursuing and getting to know. Number one, there's a progression with rebellion. Devotion, number two, devotion to God's word is a question of desire. Number three, love for God's word leads to steadfastness and fruitfulness. Look with me in verse three. He says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Uh, There's a parallel passage to this in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Check this one out. Jeremiah 17 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Now, it didn't say meditate on his word. It said trust in the Lord and had confidence on him. Now, how do you think this individual knew how to trust in the Lord? How do you think he knew how to find confidence in God? It's depicted in here. It comes from this book. All right, look at the result of it. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Look at the result. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. This is the same concept that we find here in Psalm 1. Repeated, although in this one, you can see how it will lead to this fearlessness, this ability to face whatever you might face in life. Now, now, come on, are you, anyone here facing some hard times in life? Anyone in here facing anything? Yeah, you will have a steadfastness 
to know with confidence that God will get you through it. But you're not going to come to that realization watching Oprah. You're not going to come to that realization sitting down and channel surfing. You and I need to be continually reclaimed in our mind, formed apart from how the, Lord, the, the world wants to conform us, that you're renewed in the way of pattern of your thinking, to understand what God's thoughts are. And the way that you discern that is through his word. So it's a love for God's word that leads to a steadfastness. It leads to a fruitfulness. Uh, think about the illustration that he gave. Where do you get trees to be the strongest rooted? Look at verse 3. Where is it? He's like a tree planted where? Streams of water. That's it. That is the place where you will find the most deeply rooted tree are the ones that soak up water. And this is not any, this is not hard to understand. How did God design trees to grow strong? With roots to soak up water. That's how they were designed. There was this one tree when I lived in the Caribbean. Uh, it was a palm tree, and it was located in the middle of campus. And all of the other palm trees were out over in kind of the bush area. But this one, standing alone, nice and tall, well, a hurricane came and hit us that year. And guess what happened to that tree? It was not located anywhere where the roots were able to intertwine with other roots around it or find any measure of strength. And when the winds came, what happened to the tree? Came right down. I want to submit to you, that's exactly what will happen to you and I in this world. And I don't necessarily mean only winds of trial or winds of challenge. I mean now the winds that cause your perspective to think different from God's perspective. Think of the things that have been touted in our world today that were non-existent a generation ago. Think about the things, the even laws that we have today, that a generation ago people would say, you know what, following God's will means that there is a difference between right and wrong. That doesn't exist today, church. I hope you hear it on Sunday, but you won't hear it on Monday, that there's a difference between right and wrong. So if the winds of the culture come and they blow and hit you, where are you going to go? If you're not rooted, wherever those winds want to take you is where you're going to go. So a love for God's word will keep you rooted. And you and I are designed just like trees were designed for water. Hear me now. You were designed to have a relationship with God and know Jesus Christ through his word. That's what you were designed for. I had a, a chainsaw over in the Bahamas, and it's kind of hard to get a chainsaw over there. Somehow my dad got it on the airplane. Not sure how he did that, but um, as few and far between as they are, one time somebody I knew asked to borrow it, and maybe you know where this is going. Um, I, under a sense of obligation, felt like, all right, you can borrow it. And when it came time to gas it up, guess what kind of gas he put in my chainsaw? Uh, anybody who knows, right, needs a, you have to have a mix, 50 to 1, 40 to 1, right? Have to have some oil mixed in there. And he did not. He brought the chainsaw back. That chainsaw never ran again. Because it was designed in a way that needed a specific type of fuel. You hear me now? You are designed for a specific kind of fuel. And that's found in a love for God's word. If you're not fueling yourself up with God's word, you're likely going to soon run into trouble. And you might get seized up and be useless. And when the winds of this culture hit you, you will find that you will go where they follow. Which is our fourth observation. That the wicked go where the wind blows. This was verse 4. Look with me again in the scripture. Verse 4. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff with the wind 
uh, that the wind blows away. Chaff was the part of the husk of a grain when you're going to get grain. And you, they'd rub it between their hands like this to get the seed, the meaty part out that they would go into a mill and you would grind it into flour. All the husk, that really light, hard, protective part, it would come off. And that was the chaff. And what they would do is they would get it in a large basin. they toss it up into the air. And the wind would catch the chaff and blow it off to the side. And the heavier seed, the meaty part, it would fall right back down. And so this was the practice as to how they get, got their wheat and how they made their bread. They would toss the chaff up and that wind would just blow it away. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are like me, but I'm kind of meticulous in making sure that when I'm clipping fingernails, they get into the trash can. Anybody else grossed out with me like that? Like, well, one time clipping nails, right? I got my little stack going there, going to turn them. And, and what happened? They're gone. They're gone. Look, this is just like our culture. Wherever the wind blows, if you are not rooted... You will go wherever the wind is, wherever the wind blows you, and after that, guess what? Guess where you are? It's like those fingernails. You're gone. You're gone. Remember, there's only two kinds of people in this passage: the righteous and the wicked. There's no gray area here. I wonder where you and I would fall, where we would line up this morning on these two ideas. Number five is this: the wicked have no hope. In verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. This word stand here literally means to be upheld against a force. What the author is doing is he's drawing your attention back to verse 3 when he used the illustration of the tree. Because what happens to a tree that is not rooted? When the wind blows, it does not stand. It falls. And the conclusion here for the wicked is that on the day of judgment, that's what it will be like for them. They will not be able to stand. They have no rootedness in God's word. They will, like that palm tree, fall right over. And like those fingernails where the wind has blown, they're gone. Which moves us to our final observation that the righteous are protected and the wicked will perish. Verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The verb here for watches over is perhaps better translated knows. In fact, I'd encourage you to write that little word in the margin of your Bible. It really says the Lord knows the way of the righteous. It's the exact picture of a mom who's watching her child play outside and what is she doing from the window? Not watching Netflix. What is that godly mother doing? She's watching over her child. She's making sure that at any moment that he drifts too far into the road, there is the call to return. At any moment that he falls down, there is this rush and aid to help. That's the word that you you and I are given here for what the Lord does with the righteous. If you are of the righteous, God is watching over you. He is watching you right now to make sure that as you're drifting away, you don't drift too far. His spirit will convict you to come back. And if you fall down, he will answer even before you call. He has things, and this is amazing. This is a whole other sermon. I just want you to know this right now. God has things in motion for all of you right now for your future that you don't even realize. There are things that are coming in your future that when you face them, you will not be able to handle them. But God is right now 
causing different people in different places. He already has in motion the protection and preservation such that you are being watched over for whatever you face. And this is the conclusion that we have. The righteous are protected. The wicked will perish. So here's, here's my challenge to you on this. I feel like nobody had told those McDonald's kids, those hoodlums, that they were being influenced by the music that they listened to. Whether they knew it or not, they were being influenced by it. And this is a conclusion I've got for you. You are shaped by what you love. And if you love is to rebel against the law and to enjoy the pleasures of sex and the pleasures of drugs, that's the direction you're going to go. You will be shaped by what you love. Um, in uh, the book, You Are What You Love by James, uh, James K. A. Smith, he puts in a quote here, and I, I just want to read it for you. Uh, he says, In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheists. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice that we get is what to worship. An outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or a spiritual type of thing, be it Jesus Christ or Allah or Yahweh or a wicked mother goddess or the four noble truths or some infragmental um, in set of ethical principles. It's pretty much anything else that you can worship or it'll eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they're the place where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. You'll never feel that you have enough. And it's the truth. If you worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you'll, you'll always be feeling ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified in myths and proverbs, cliches, uh, and parables. The skeleton of a great story. The trick is keeping the truth in front of our daily consciousness. If you worship power then you'll always feel weak and afraid. You'll need ever more power from others to to keep fear at bay. If you worship your intellect, being seen as smart, then you'll end up in the end feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. The insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they are evil or sinful, it's that they are unconscious. It's sometimes hard to track when I'm just quoting something. Did you catch that part? Uh, worshiping all these false idols, it is evil, but that's not the scary part about it. The scary part is people are doing it unconsciously. It's forming how they think. It's forming what they love, whether they know it or not. He goes on to say this. They are its default settings. They are the kind of worship that you gradually slip into day after day getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you're doing. The, the, the truth is that uh, these young people were being influenced. So that's my question to you. What are your influences in life? What is influencing you? And secondly, do you find God's word desirous? My challenge to you is that you would deepen your relationship with the living word. And his name is Jesus Christ. John said, uh, Jesus says this in John chapter 5. He says, you study the scriptures, which seems to be kind of the message from Psalm 1, right? 
I didn't lose you this morning. Everybody with me? Right? It, it was one more time. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates when? Day and night. Very good. So you, you'd think study the Bible is what, what the pastor is saying. It's actually not what I'm saying. Because this, pay attention to what Jesus says. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These very scriptures, or these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. I want to submit to you, it's so much easier for you and I to pursue reading God's word and studying God's word if what you're chasing after is not a sense of obligation to me or to your mom, but a desire to have a relationship with Jesus, to get to know Jesus, to discover who he is, and to find out more about the love that's been shown to you in Jesus Christ. There's only two groups, folks. Wicked or righteous. You need to make sure you know which group that you are in. And as much as I'm trying not to get anyone to feel guilty this morning for not reading the Bible, my real goal this morning is to cause you to find a love and a desire that you will know you have been designed for Jesus. You have been made and created such that if you want to have a steadfastness and a fruitfulness and a fearlessness in this abundant life, it's found only in seeking after Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning.